What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jacked Up Podcast. I'm truly glad you've chosen to take the time to join us on our little show. If you're new here, please do me a favor and subscribe to the show, like it, and share it with your friends. My goal for this podcast is to feature content meant to entertain, educate, and inspire you to focus on living the best life possible every day. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the show. You know, the more I do this podcast with the people that I interview, the more I start to realize just how powerful the human spirit is when it comes to overcoming adversity. My guest today is a multi-passionate entrepreneur. She's a writer and creator, an animal health and nutrition consultant, and she's also a certified health and wellness coach. Her journey, however, hasn't been an easy one. She's had to learn to manage multiple autoimmune conditions and even overcome an eating disorder. All of that type of stuff would really lead someone to have a pessimistic outlook. However, in Emily's case, she describes herself as a chronic optimist, a dreamer, and someone who is always looking at the possibilities. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So please help me in welcoming Emily Dixon. Emily, welcome to the Jacked Up Podcast. I'm so glad to finally get you on the show. Thanks for having me, John. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, I, I read through your story and some of your bio and whatnot, and you've truly got an inspiring story. And, and that's why I really wanted to get you on the show to to share your story and, and share your outlooks. We, we have a lot of similar mindsets when it comes to health and nutrition. So I thought it would be a real good fit for my audience. So with, now with that being said, why don't you give us a little background, um, you know, what your journey was like you know, all the different things you had to go through and what led you to do what you're doing today. Sure, sure. So, um, I guess my health journey really started when I was in high school and, um, you know, stopped eating. <laughs> and when mm -hmm. I look back, I think that was really a way for me to try to control chaos that was happening. Um, in my life and really a way for me to um, so started seeing news obviously my family got involved um and you know kind of got that under control although i think psychologically i didn't have that under control until recently um mm -hmm. So went off to college, all is well. About my junior year of college, I started having some, I guess, digestive upset, you, if you want to call it that. Um, but I'm not an alarmist, you know? So when that started happening, I thought, nothing's going on. Totally fine. I felt fine, had a lot of energy, all of that. I graduated mm -hmm. college um, and started having some pretty bad digestive symptoms that I couldn't ignore anymore to the point of it was hard for me to walk. <laughs> I remember wow. one day I, uh, oh my God, it was crazy. One day I was in this class, I was taking some continuing education and I had parked, you know, I don't know, probably half a mile away. And it took me like 30 minutes to walk half a mile because I was just doubled over in pain. It was crazy. I, mm. I couldn't figure it out. I thought maybe my appendix is bursting. You know, I don't know. I came up with all these things. Um, right. so, so long story short, they diagnosed me with celiac disease. Um, and that was a journey in and of itself. I was really lucky to find a naturopath to work with who kind of had a clue what was going on and who was able to diagnose me quickly. Um, uh -huh. But it, I'm sure you're kind of aware of what happens in conventional medicine and just all the testing yes. and <laughs> all of Yeah, that. it's a runaround. Um, it's a runaround for sure. Totally. So they diagnosed me with SIBO and a couple other things. And again, I thought I had that kind of under control. Um, I was mm -hmm. working at the time and I guess about a year after I found out all of those things and had kind of dealt with them or so I thought mm -hmm. I moved to Texas and was doing my master's degree down there. Um, and, you know, had obviously changed my diet, all of that. I tried virtually every diet right. on <laughs> the planet. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're aware of that, too. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I did my master's degree, which was pretty stressful and overwhelming. And towards the end of that, I started getting really tired and couldn't figure out what was going on because I'm just not that person. Um, And so long story short, I had a ton of really bizarre symptoms, seemingly unrelated, couldn't figure out. I thought I was going crazy, to be honest with you. and found a functional medicine doctor down in Texas who did a bunch of testing and actually figured out that I had biotoxin illness or mold illness. Um, It's called chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And Mm -hmm. I was working in water damaged buildings. So it, you know, it all, it all made sense. Um, Right. But of course I hadn't even heard of that before, you know, until that point. So it's been a journey. Now I'm in Idaho (laughs) where it's a lot drier um, and doing really well. So that's kind of, that was a long answer to your question, but that's my whole journey a little bit. No. So now let me, let me back up just a second. Um, If you could describe for our listeners what exactly biotoxin illness is. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a good question. It's not really talked about. Um, a biotoxin is basically, it's a neurotoxin. So it's it's a toxin that comes from a biological organism. So it's things like mold, which produces mycotoxins, um, or Lyme's disease. You know, ticks produce toxins that cause Lyme's disease. So mold illness and Lyme's are the main ones that people hear about and know about um there's a couple other kind of not i don't want to say random but you know less well-known biotoxins um Mm -hmm. but what makes them really interesting is that they're really small fat soluble molecules and so they can get through your cells and they mm-hmm. travel from cell to cell and they don't really travel through the bloodstream. So it's really hard to test for them. Um, Great. Um, really hard, obviously really hard to diagnose. It's pretty interesting, but basically affect every system in your body and they just cause this really vicious cycle of inflammation through every mm-hmm. body system, um, which is why you end up with kind of these weird, non-specific symptoms um that are you know seem really unrelated like metallic taste in your mouth and chronic fatigue and you know dizziness like they're just they're very bizarre symptoms that when you try to put them together it's hard for a lot of people to diagnose Right, right. Okay. All right. Well that makes sense. Um and and it's it's just kind of funny because you've um people in the last 15 20 years there have been so many new diseases or disorders or conditions that have come out and and what people don't really understand about all these different things is they're brought on by changes that we've made in society like um one of the ones that that you touched on that i want to talk about for a minute is celiac disease 20 years ago you never heard of celiac disease and that was because we didn't live in a society where they focused so much on the quote unquote heart healthy grains um you know for a lot of years we steer we kind of steered away from eating saturated fat which we actually need in our diet and because we were told that it was so evil and we focused on eating all these grains and our bodies aren't designed to process those on the scale that we were eating them so it wind up you know as we evolved we wound up coming up with these things like celiac disease and other issues and and it's directly related from that type of stuff um but it's it's really good that medicine is kind of catching up with that now and you know being able to deal with that type of stuff because it is something that happens a lot more frequently than people realize so now with that being said what were some of the steps that you took to get over some of those you know some of the effects of the biotoxin illness that you had Oh my gosh. So (laughs) mold is, um, I'm still learning about that. I was only diagnosed with that about 
in February of 2019. So it's been a little over a year um, and I've made incredible mm -hmm. progress since then, but it's wild, um, you know, kind of going along with what you were saying about some of the changes we've made in society. You know, a lot of us are living first of all, we're inside a lot more, <laughs> you know, we're not mm -hmm. getting fresh air. We're not working outside. A lot of people work in, you know, office buildings that have terrible ventilation, no windows, you know, the whole thing, um, which is just a breeding ground for mold. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's estimated that like 50, over 50% 50 of buildings in America are water damaged. And when you start to like really dive into how that happens, um, I mean, you start to see it everywhere. Like, for instance, our bathrooms, you know, we're taking showers, it's hot, there's a lot of condensation, a lot of bathrooms don't have windows, mold. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we're cooking, we're boiling water, mold. And I'm not saying you can't, obviously, these are things that we have to do, but it's just things to be aware of um, before mm -hmm. I you know, knew about this, I would have never guessed that of obviously, I think people have heard of black mold and kind of the effects of that. And right. obviously, we know that that's bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So a lot of it is awareness and just being aware of your lifestyle. A lot of it is looking at where you're living. Um, mm -hmm. Again, you know, some of that is out of your control. But like I live in an apartment and I tested it before I moved in. I tried to find an apartment that has windows in the bathrooms. Um, right. There's stuff like physical material things that I try to limit that mold grows on mm -hmm. like paper and, um, you know, just things that you can't clean. So there's a lot of steps like that, that I took, um, right. just to limit my exposure. And, you know, there's a whole protocol of, different things that you can do that's kind of extensive but i think a lot of it has to do with um that i changed my mindset too mm -hmm. i think that was really important yeah yeah absolutely and we'll touch on that in just a minute the other thing that i want to ask you is going through um the illness that you had um how did your diet change throughout all that yeah, so my diet has been evolving <laughs> since I got diagnosed with celiac. I had tried, you know, FODMAPs, um, vegan, vegetarian, paleo. I've tried pretty much everything, specific carbohydrate, Whole30. Currently, I do mostly paleo. That's what has helped me the most. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the mold, they suggest it's called the low amylose diet. So there's certain mm -hmm. vegetables that, you know, like bananas and sweet potatoes that are higher in sugars that they say, hey, you know, limit those. I'm a little less strict right. about that these days. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But I do think a lot of the diet thing, what I've learned is that, especially in being a health coach too, I think these labels scare people a little bit <laughs> um yeah when you start saying hey you need to go paleo or you need to try the whole 30 or whatever you say um mm -hmm. so i think a lot of it is about kind of tuning into what does your body need you know there's days that i need at all and i'm just eating vegetables and fruit and that's what i right. need today mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's another thing that is that is so critical when people are trying to improve their health um, when it comes to nutrition, there there isn't one set way to go about doing things. Um, we're all individuals, and as such, um, you know, different people process different macro and micronutrients in different ways. If you have, there are certain disorders that you have to watch how much potassium you take in and things of that nature. So, you know, when you're, when you're trying to focus in on your nutrition to improve your health, you really need to make sure that you educate yourself on what all the macro and micronutrients are and what they do in the body. And if you don't have the ability to educate yourself, you know, to where you're comfortable for handling that type of stuff, that's when you need to reach out and work out with, you know, work with someone who's a coach that, you know, specializes in that type of thing. So you can make sure you get the proper nutrients and, and get a plan that's going to work for you. So now totally. the next thing I want to ask, like, 
<laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, your body changes every day. So what worked for you yes. yesterday, you know, might not work for you today. It might not work for you next mm-hmm. week. That's why it's, I think it's hard to kind of label yourself as, oh, I'm a paleo eater or mm-hmm. I'm a keto eater, whatever it is, because next week right. that might not work for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's a process. And, you know, it's like, for the last three years, I've followed primarily a ketogenic lifestyle. Now, there have been times that that I've added in carbohydrates, depending on the circumstances. If I was training really heavy in the gym, um, you know, there were times that I would do that. Sometimes I would do it just as a metabolic reset um, because of the fact that I am a type two diabetic. If if you go to where you're restricting carbs for a long period of time, every now and then it's nice to add some of that stuff in. It spikes your insulin. It keeps your insulin receptors working properly and things of that nature. But you're exactly right. Um, you know, and and one of the biggest downfalls that a lot of people stumble into when they're following some sort of nutrition protocol, if they're trying to lose weight or whatever, is that as as you lose weight, if you're trying to lose body fat. As you go through that process and you start to lose some of that body fat, you need to adjust those macronutrients because they're based on you having a certain amount of activity and weighing a certain amount. And as that drops, as your activity increases, as your body fat decreases, the weight decreases, you have to adjust those macros. And that's where most people fail. And when they do, they wind up hitting that plateau. And that's when they're like, well, this isn't working anymore. I need to find something else. When in fact, all they need to do is adjust things a little bit. So now let me ask you, because you touched on this a little bit ago, um, you talked about mindset. How important do you feel mindset and the mind-body connection in and of itself are as far as, you know, improving your health? Oh my gosh, I think it's everything. (laughs) Um, I'll give you a simple just food example. So kind of to go with what we were talking about. You know, for me personally, I don't eat dairy, right? Um, I know that that just causes inflammation in my body, but so I'll just give you an example. Um, You know, normally I'm not going to eat dairy, but let's say I'm out with friends and it's just a great night. We're all joyful, having a great time and we go get ice cream or something. You know, I'm probably going to have some ice cream and I'll be fine. (laughs) I don't eat that every day. I'm probably not going to have a reaction. When, if I tried to eat ice cream though, when I'm home alone, you know, watching some sappy, (laughs) some sappy rom-com or something, you know, um, and I'm crying and I'm eating ice cream, I think my body's going to have a different reaction to that inflammatory food. So, Mm -hmm. and I give that example just because I think people forget that you know, your mind is very much connected. It's just like if you're drinking alone at home, you know, that's more likely to put you in kind of a darker space than if you're out with family or friends and you, you know, are all celebrating something and you have a glass of wine, right? So I think mind-body connection is everything. You know, and and people get a little bit like, oh, wow, that's a little woo-woo, but this has been studied you know the placebo effect is mind-body connection (laughs) your Mm -hmm. mind has more power than we give it credit for um so i would argue that it's you know like 90 percent of health (laughs) of course you have to do all the other things you can't just you know say oh i'm super healthy and eat at mcdonald's every day you know 10 percent of it is what you're actually doing what you're actually consuming what you're actually putting on your body, all of those things. But I, I would say that at least 90% of it is where's your head at? Like if you think something's going to make you sick, it for sure is. It's going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been proven. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's been proven time and time again in study after study that, you know, 
we can literally think ourselves into being sick. Um, there, there have been cases where people have caused major, major illnesses inside their body just because they're absolutely convinced that they have these issues. Um, and when it comes right down to brass tacks and you look at the science behind it, they actually had like no precursor for it whatsoever. They had, they had no kind of indicators that they had any, any sort of issue before they actually just started believing that they had it um and and it's really fascinating uh, you know I, I talk about this one particular study all the time because it really sticks out in my head how you know this study of of like um i forget how many people it was now but it was like for 45 days um these people just focused their mind and they they imagined that they were they were contracting and, and relaxing their bicep. They were they were flexing their bicep just as hard as they could, um, and they were they were taking steps to ensure that they that they weren't actually contracting the muscle. They were holding their arms out straight and things like that. Um, and people actually after after the study was over, they they measured things again, and people had actually gained both size and strength in that muscle. So when you break that down to to a logical level, and you think about that. What we don't even we don't even begin to understand the power of the mind. Um, you know, you talked about the placebo effect. Um, Aubrey Marcus talks about the nocebo effect. You know, believing in things that you can't even see, but yet your belief can make them so very very real for you. Um, you know, and then that's just the tip of the iceberg on that whole subject, but it's just really, really in interesting to me. It always has been. And the more I learn, the more I'm even more interested in, in how we can actually use our bodies to heal, you know, use our minds to heal our bodies. It's, it's really, really fascinating. Um, so now with that being said, you, um, you had mentioned that you had, dealt with an eating disorder did the eating disorder come from the autoimmune issues you were having was that before that time after give us a little background on that you know when i was a kid growing up i was healthy i was not a sick child um but when i look back i definitely had some autoimmune like symptoms in terms of eczema super reactive skin super sensitive skin um mm -hmm. You know, so perhaps I had some, perhaps I had celiac my whole life. They they say you don't really know that some people have it starting when they're a kid and some people the gene turns on later in life. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think science really knows what happens in terms of autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the answer is I don't know. Um, I have seen some new research about how eating disorders could be symptoms of autoimmune or that it can could trigger it. So I don't I'm sure that they're related when I think mm -hmm. about it just from like an energetic mindset kind of way. Um, I think that right. they're definitely related. I don't know physically if science knows yet. What's up, everybody? I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. If any of you have seen the video versions of my podcast, you know I have quite the full beard. One of the biggest reasons that I've been able to grow such a healthy beard is the line of care products that I use. Mountaineer brand is located right here in the town that I live in, and when it comes to my grooming needs, they are my one-stop shop. Mountaineer brand features a complete line of beard, body, and bald head care products that are all 100% natural and 100% amazing. Everything from their premium, essential seven, and original blends of beard washes, balms, and oils, to their bald head care line and their body care products are all made with the highest quality natural ingredients and are tested for the ultimate level of efficacy. Remember, what you put on your body also goes in your body. So if you're a man who's looking for the best in all natural grooming products, Mountaineer brand is your one-stop shop too. Head over to their website, www.mountaineerbrand.com. That's www.mountaineerbrand.com and use the promo code JACKED. That's J-A-K-E-D 
to save 15% off your entire purchase. I know you guys are going to love the products just as much as I do. Now let's get back to the show. So now what type of eating disorder was it that you had to deal with? Anorexia. Oh, anorexia. Yeah. Now see that, that makes kind of sense to me. If, if you're having issues with, with the food that you're taking in for whatever reason, like celiac disease or, or some of these other, you know, autoimmune or highly inflammatory, you know, conditions that come from different foods that you eat and whatnot, I can see where that would actually lead to things like anorexia and bulimia, you know, cause like, you, I, I would imagine, and I've never had to deal with any of those things, but I would imagine it would almost put you in a state where you would be afraid to eat because you would be afraid of the reaction that you may get from it and things of that nature. I mean, was that anything like what you experienced? I don't remember having those feelings, but again, you know, did the subconscious mind know that maybe? And I just didn't know, obviously high school is right. a weird time. <laughs> I don't know where yes. my head was at during high school, you know, <laughs> so um, it definitely could have been related. I don't remember that, uh, you know, being mm -hmm. a thought. I don't remember ever being sick from food, but I, you know, again, with this mind-body connection, your body knows things sometimes yes. before your logical mind does. So mm -hmm. it definitely could have been a thing. Right. So now for any of my and any of our listeners that that may be struggling with anorexia or, you know, know someone that is, what are some of the steps that people can take to to help, you know, help them get through those types of things? Yeah, for sure. And my heart goes out to anyone dealing with that. It's not an easy thing, um, for sure. My first step is, you know, reach out for help. Don't try to do it alone. It's just like any other addiction or, um, you know, psychological issue. It's not weak to ask for help. And I would find someone who you can, who you can really, um, gel with, you know, whether that's a counselor, whether that's a coach or a nutritionist, just find someone who specializes in helping people with eating disorders. I think a second step is, you know, spirituality. I think that's a huge component of healing from anything. Um, just mm -hmm. getting in touch with whatever God, universe, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, having a connection to something I think is probably the number one thing that you need in order to heal. Mm -hmm. So, okay. um, yeah, I think that's, those would be my main suggestions. Definitely reach out for help and just try to start cult cultivating your own sense of spirituality, whether that's through rituals, whatever it is for you. I think that's super important. You need that in your life. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So now I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, uh, we're going to come back to to that whole thing that you were just touching on. But before I forget, I want to ask you about this. One of the things that you um, I, I read in your bio is that you're actually an animal health and nutrition consultant. What's that like? And give us a little background as to how that all came about. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I've been riding horses since I was five years old. Um and I've just, I, they were my saving grace for most of my life. So I was really involved with that, um, always at the barn, always riding. I did some competing, all of that. And so when I went off to college, I knew that I wanted to study animals. I was always an animal person. Um, and so I got my, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in animal science and business. And then I got my master's degree in exercise physiology and nutrition for horses. Um, and that's always been my passion. And what I think is so cool is that horses are really similar to humans. And so I've been able to kind of combine this holistic health for humans and animals, um, looking at the science and interpreting the science, but also using some common sense, you know, science can't mm -hmm. tell us everything. <laughs> um, right. And I'm a research person, like I 100% believe in research, but we also need to use our brains a little bit when we read that because research is done by humans and there's definitely human error that happens. So yep. 
Um, yeah, so I kind of, I do a little bit nutrition and exercise for people and horses <laughs> and small animals. Oh, so, oh, okay. I was going to ask you, do you focus mainly on horses or do you work with other animals too? Yeah, mostly horses, but definitely dogs and cats and um you know there's there's differences but a lot of similarities that's awesome you know i actually uh i did a podcast with a with a man um a, a few weeks ago his name was mark hernandez and actually what he does is not only does he work with people um as far as you know a little bit of nutrition and and spirituality and whatnot but he does energy healings and he doesn't only do energy healings for people he does them for his pets as for their pets as well and it was a really really interesting interview um he actually during the podcast he actually did a energy healing on me um i was having some inflammation in my knee that i had knee surgery on i had a knee replacement back in december and it was it was really interesting how he went through this whole process and and how just by me focusing on what it was that he was telling me it goes back to what we were talking about how about how the mind can affect the body i literally in in the 10 minutes that that we were doing this on on the show while we were recording a podcast i literally felt a change in the way that my knee felt and it was it was absolutely incredible i'd never i'd never dealt with anything like it yeah it was it was pretty unique and uh, yeah and see i think the tie-in between animals and people is is a lot more prevalent than people realize um I did a, um, I, I do some live work um, with some people doing live videos on Facebook and whatnot. And one of the episodes that we did here a few weeks back was talking about managing stress. And in my research, what I found was that like one of the top five ways to reduce stress is bonding or spending time with a pet spending 15 20 minutes a day with a dog a cat whatever your pet is you know whatever you can find that you can bond with is it can like reduce your stress by up to 40 percent. and when you think about what stress does to the body that's an amazing change that can happen without a doubt absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah i think about um you know even with for sure with your dog and your cat i mean they have an incredible impact on our on our health i think about my dog who lived with me while i was going through all this chronic illness stuff and mm -hmm. i was like oh my god i mean she really she definitely helped me through it um there's new research coming out that shows that the electromagnetic field of the horse's heart is five times greater than that of humans Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like this little force field, you know, <laughs> I, I try to picture it now whenever I'm around them that they have this huge electromagnetic field surrounding them that we're, you know, obviously not aware of that we're picking up on. But people always say, oh, wow, when I'm with my horse, I just feel so peaceful and I feel healthier and all of these things. And I, I think it's because of this electromagnetic energy that's coming off of them. And I think that's coming off of our companion animals at home too. Yep. I, I would agree. So now, um, in your bio, you describe yourself as a chronic optimist. Just kind of explain to everybody what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I, I'm just a positive. I've always been this way. always try to look at the bright side. I grew up in a lot of chaos and I think that was one of the ways I made it through. Um, and it's something that I've tried to cultivate for sure, because again, going back to this subconscious mind, I have negative beliefs as well that I'm constantly working on and working through and trying to change. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, our subconscious mm -hmm. mind is creating our reality. So I'm always on this journey of learning how to be more positive and seeing that when things don't go how I wanted them to, that that's actually a gift. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of always on this journey of looking for the silver lining. And even if you can't see mm -hmm. it yet, it's there. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I like to, when I talk about a subject like this, I like to refer back to um, to a song that was really popular about 20 years ago. Um, and it was by an artist named Garth Brooks. And the name of the song was Unanswered Prayers. And it was all about how he he was so focused on, on this girl and he thought that she was his soulmate and all these things. And he wanted nothing more than to be with her for the rest of his life. And he was never able to make that happen. And he wound up seeing her 15, 20 years later at a, at a, like a high school reunion. And he was in an amazing relationship. He had a loving wife and children and all these things. And when he saw her, the only thing that it triggered in him was not the fact of how much he cared about her at that time. It was how much that he was thankful that he was not able to make that connection because if he had, he may not have what he has now. And, and you know, that that's a really powerful concept when you think about it. And it's powerful across a lot of different genres, whether it's, you know, it can be about health and nutrition when you, when you break down to it. You know, there are a lot of people that are like, you know, I've worked with people that have wanted to be power lifters. You know, they, they, that, that was their goal when they were younger. They wanted to be power lifters. And, and what they wound up doing by following that whole lifestyle and that genre was they wound up overeating, which a lot of power lifters do because it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of nutrients to power some of the things that they do. But if you look at a lot of power lifters, like the world's strongest man for a long time, Eddie Hall, um, when he was in his heyday, he was obese. I mean, he had a lot of body fat on him and, you know, even, even now he still trains and he still competes, but he completely changed the way that he does things. And, you know, it shows in his health, it shows in his physique. Um, so sometimes, you know, but to go back to the client that I was talking about, he wanted to be a power lifter and he just, he never really got to where he wanted to be with it. And when he decided he wanted to shift gears, here he was with all this additional weight. He was a borderline diabetic and all these other things. So I started working with him and changed his nutrition around, changed the way he worked out. And inside of six months, he had dropped a tremendous amount of weight. I think it was something like 80 or 90 pounds. Um, his strength had actually increased rather than decreasing, even though he had decreased his nutrition intake. And all of his all of his blood work, all of his you know health markers and whatnot had just done nothing but improved. So sometimes our, our initial goal that we might have going into something um, might not necessarily be the best thing for us, but we can't see it at that time. So it, it's always good to keep an open mind and be ready to pivot when the time comes and you realize whatever you're doing isn't working. Um, let me ask you, when you start working with a client, when you, you know, as a, as a health and wellness coach, what are some of the first things that you touch base with them on? Is it, do you focus on merely primarily mindset first, or is it nutrition exercise? What's your approach in dealing with that? Yeah, the, um, that's a good question. So mostly it's what the client is comfortable with. Um, one of the first things I really try to get at with clients is, you know, what's their overall wellness vision? To me, wellness incorporates all these different aspects of life. It's not just about nutrition and exercise, although that's a really big part of it. But to me, health and wellness is about spirituality, creativity, your relationships, your social life, how much joy you're experiencing. All these things contribute to your wellness. Um, but you know, not everyone is ready for that. I can't say that everyone who comes to me for coaching just wants to jump into, hey, here's all the terrible mindsets I have and let's, <laughs> let's change them. Um, some uh -huh. people come and they're, you know, they really wanna focus on food first and that's totally fine because it all relates to each other. It's, you know, I describe it as the snowball effect. You know, once you start changing mm -hmm. food and you're just more aware of that, um, then you're aware of, wow, you know, I, I'm sabotaging myself in this other way or, um, wow, I'm not really having fun in my life. I need more fun. Food is the only thing that's fun for me. You know, you start to become aware of a lot of other things. So my coaching is really client led. One of the first things I try to do is really get to, you know, what are your top values in life? Because a lot of us and myself included, you know, kind of need to be 
reminded of what's our value. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for instance, a lot of us say, oh, family is our number one value, which is amazing. <laughs> family is a top value for me, but I had to learn that my own health needs to be my number one value and priority because truly without your health, you don't have anything, you know, and I've learned that right. the hard way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so getting to, you know, what are your top values and are you actually prioritizing them in your everyday actions? I think is a huge thing. There's people who prioritize freedom and yet they're in a nine to five job that they hate. Not to say that nine to five jobs are bad by any means, but maybe for them that just doesn't align with their values. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's where I usually try to start with values and, you know, what's your long-term goals, what's your vision for your wellness. But again, it, it changes for every individual. We're all different. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it's so many times when I start working with a new client, um, like one of the very first things I do um, is I give my clients two different intake forms that together total about nine pages. And one of the questions I get asked most often is, why do you want to know so much about me? Um, and, and when you break it down to brass tacks, as, as coaches, our, fir- our first job, in my opinion, is we're educators. Okay, we need, we need to realize what it is that our clients need, and we need to educate them and give them the tools that they need so they can build a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to work with a client for any longer than a year. Um, and the reason I say right. that is unless, unless they have some sort of medical condition or something like that, that's going to require some long-term coaching. Um, if, if I can't give somebody the tools that they need to achieve their goals and live a healthy lifestyle and be able to sustain it, I'm not worth, I'm not worth what I'm, what I'm charging people as a coach. You know, that that's the way I look at it. So I ask all these questions and I try to get into the mindset of not only what are their limiting factors, what are the beliefs that they have that are holding them back? But also I want to know what their family life is like, how much their, their, you know, the people around them support what it is that you're trying to do, because all of that stuff is incredibly important. Um, so, and you're right. You, you know, you, you touched on it a minute ago and you were spot on when it comes to overall health and fitness, there is so much more that goes into it than just exercise and nutrition. It is absolutely everything. It is everything that you do in your life has an effect on something else. And it's being able to figure that stuff out and, and apply, you know, proper, I don't know what you want to say, you know, just, just apply proper methods in order to, you know, keep things on an even keel, make sure that your health and nutrition is fine. Um, you know, make sure you're enjoying your life because that's a big part of it. You can be as healthy as a horse. If you're not enjoying life, what's it worth? Totally. And that's just like people who, um, you know, I think the proper term for it now is orthorexia people who are so, um, Neurotic is the wrong word, but I think you know what I mean. Super yeah. crazy about eating really, really healthy all the time. Can't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Have to be, right. you know, and it's like, to me, that's not healthy. You might be eating super great food, but you're not enjoying mm-hmm. your life. You know, that's not, right. that's not sustainable health. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not at all. Not to mention the fact that when you're in situations like that, um, your stress levels are typically higher. And, you know, when you think about what stress does to the body, it increases inflammation. Um, it causes a, r- a rise in cortisol, which is a hormone that actually causes you to hang on to and even store more body fat. There, there are a lot of things that, um, you know, it, it all goes back to what we started talking about in the beginning. Everything is connected. Our emotional health, um, the way we think about ourselves, all these things are connected and everything rolls into one when you talk about overall wellness. Um, When I started my business, uh, you know, I started off as T2 nutrition because I wanted to focus on nutrition because I think personally nutrition is the biggest piece of the puzzle. However, very quickly I realized as I continued to study and do more and more things, 
um, that it's a whole lot more. Um, so I added in T2 nutrition and wellness and wellness is a term that encompasses all these things, the, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. And that's why I do what I do with this podcast. I interview people, every, everything from guys who do energy healings on animals to <laughs> sex experts. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like all of the, all of these things are 100% connected and you have as, as human beings, we need to realize that we are more than just what we eat and how many times we go to the gym and how much money we make at our jobs. It, it is everything. It, we, wellness is all encompassing and we need to focus on all aspects of it. Totally. And I think you're spot on with that. You don't want to see people forever. I uh, just read this book by a therapist. Her name's Marissa Peer. The book is called I Am Enough. And she has a whole mm -hmm. program that she talked about. And she said, hey, a lot of therapists, you know, want you to come see them forever. They say, oh, you have your whole life to work on your brain. And her point was, I don't want to spend my whole life working on my brain. You know, I want to live my life. I want to figure this out so I can live my best life. And that's how I see and feel about coaching. And it sounds like you do too, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to see people forever because I don't want you to be struggling forever. <laughs> I want to give you the tools right. so that you know how to change your life. You know, I'm not the one who's going to change your life. You do that yourself. I'm just here as a resource and to help you, mm -hmm. you know, develop tools and strategies that work for you. So I think you're spot on with that too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I actually had somebody ask me one time, they were like, well, you know, that, that doesn't seem like you're creating any kind of job security there. You know what I mean? Because, but I look at it like this. My goal with all this is to help as many people as I possibly can. That's why once I got into this business, I didn't opt for, you know, working at a gym because working at a gym, I only can see so many people in the course of a day, so many days a week. It, it limits it limits the reach. It limits my ability to be able to help more and more people. So I I took my business online, and then at you know it seems kind of crazy, but at 52 years old, I started a YouTube channel and started to learn how to do all this video stuff and podcasting and all this other stuff because I realized the power that we have now that 20 years ago we didn't have. You know, we can literally I can sit down in my office and I can turn on my camera and I can do a live feed on Facebook. And even though I might only have 50 people watching that live at that point in time, I can literally reach thousands because once the content's out there, it's evergreen. It's always, it's always there for someone to stumble across and, you know, they listen to it or they watch it or whatever. And then it, it affects change in your life. And for someone like me, and I, and obviously you're the same way you want to help as many people as possible. Um, you know, that's something that, that you just, you know, I, I wish that that had been around forever because maybe we wouldn't have the problems with obesity in the world like we do today and type 2 diabetes and all these other things. But it wasn't. But now that we have it, we really need to take advantage of it. Those of us who are in this space and, and are looking to help people, we really need to take advantage of it and reach out to, you know, to help as many people as possible. Totally. I totally agree. That's so awesome what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. So now let me ask you, is there anything else you want to talk about or touch on before I ask you my final question of the show? Um, anything that we haven't already discussed? I Gosh, I don't think so. I feel like we've hit on so many good things. I guess my final message is just, you know, take care of your whole self. It matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, reach out if you need help. But I think... If you just tune in, your body knows what to do. You know what to do. Yep, I, I would agree. Okay, so now here it comes. The last question that I ask everybody. Okay. It can stump you, so but I got faith in you. I think you can handle this. If you could affect one thing about health and fitness on a global level, and that would mean anything from creating a nutrition protocol, um, just putting an idea out there, um, some sort of message or whatever. If you could affect one thing about health and fitness on a global level, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, 
I think it would have to do with taking a proactive role in just everyday wellness, you know, health health is not supposed to be complicated. I think we've we've overcomplicated it. It's all about simple strategies to the body, your mind, your spirit. Um, and you know, with me being so sick and making a recovery, I wish that I had prioritized this early. And I think that's happening mm-hmm. in our country, especially, but around the world too, um, that we're reacting and we're not, we're not focused on preventative, proactive, everyday health. We're focused on disease management. So I think that's, that would be my global message. That's what I want to affect is, you know, healthcare versus disease management. Absolutely. Absolutely. Powerful, powerful answer. You know, um, one, one of the favorite people that I like to follow is Aubrey Marcus and in his book, own the day, own your life. Um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest quotes that I took away from that was that there is, there's a treatment out there for just about everything that ails you. It's all rolled up into one and it's absolutely free. It's exercise. Get up and move. Get up and move. Our bodies are not designed to sit still. You know what I'm saying? It's like I literally, I, 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 it literally drives me crazy sometimes because there are days that I spend 20 hours sitting here in my studio, either working on different content or whatever the case may be. And I have to, I literally have an alarm set on my phone every 30 minutes. It goes off and it's silent, but it flashes on my screen. Get your ass up. Because if not, I'll stay busy sitting in this chair for 20 hours a day and then when i get up and i'm not a young man so sitting in a chair for 20 hours a day when i get up my feet are swollen and all these other things and it's like you know if if you can't do anything else during the course of a day just remember to move if you remember to move you got half the battle then the other half is just you know understanding nutrition i think and you know you know eating what works for you because what works for what works for me doesn't work for you um i can eat stuff that you can't because you have you have certain issues you know what i'm saying and people need to understand that there is, there is no cookie cutter diet there is no the food pyramid throw that some bitch away it's worthless oh my you know God. what i mean yeah, yeah yeah it's it's horrible um if anything flip that damn thing up down you got a better <laughs> shot that's how i look at it so all right well I, i'm not going to take up any more of your time emily i want to thank you so much for coming on the show but before i let you go why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media and whatnot if they want to connect yeah sure i'm on instagram at emily claire dixon e-m-i-l-y-c-l-a-i-r-e D as in dog, I-C-K-S-O-N. Um, that's probably, that's the best place to find me. My website is primetimetherapies.com. Um, but I'm okay. on, I spend most of my time on social media on Instagram. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, there you go, folks. You know how to get in touch with her. All right, Emily, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Um, so just sit tight. I'm going to come right back and we'll have some parting words. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the video version of this and all my podcast episodes on my YouTube channel, P2 Nutrition and Wellness. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share both the audio feed and the YouTube channel so you can help me in my mission to touch as many people's lives as possible. Until next time, playtime's over. It's time to go to work.